Tell me about William. Tell me about my son. He's handsome. Oh, his husband. He's thoughtful and observant. And he's stubborn. Clearly a man of honor. And he looked at me. I saw the same kindness in his eyes. But there was also a fire there. The fierceness of the Highlander under all those courtly manners. From Providence, Rhode Island, live from the Minute with Mary studio, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake. And uh, yeah, you know, I got the fire of a Highlander behind my eyes. Mm. Totally do. Sure. Especially when I have to go check to see if they have fireworks or gunshots. Oh uh, my goodness gracious. Outside my house, which happened in the pre-show. In the pre-show, Blake got to run out like Roger and see if there's a knuckle V going on as we have had uh, utter chaos spread throughout our very cute and precious neighborhood this week. So... Like the world as the world's turned upside down, everybody. Our neighborhood, for some reason, it was was hot today. It was like SWAT team, eight or ten people out here. Oh yeah, it It was was... at least like a four. It was at least a four star, like on GTA. That's what that was in our neighborhood. It was wild, like little kids riding their scooters by. No idea. (laughs) It happens everywhere, friends. So we were were one. Whether it's a knuckle v. Tanks and helicopters. Whether <laughs> it's a knuckle V or uh, an episode of Cops. You never know what may happen. No one's safe, even if you live in Lollipop. Well, hello, oh, everybody, and welcome, of course. We are here in the second half of the first half of Outlander Season 7. And just kind of cranking away. And um, we are so excited to talk about this episode with you. But before we do, we want to remind you to subscribe to our podcast. Of course, friends who've been listening on Stitcher, uh, you're going to have to find something new. So we highly recommend Spotify if Stitcher is your way to go for podcasts. And if you check us out on Facebook or YouTube, remember to subscribe in a podcast app so well, that that yeah. way you don't miss out on anything. Well, some people find us. Yeah. Technically, I would recommend the, the Apple Podcasts okay, app. Yes. Like that's the one, if you have an Apple, uh, if you have an iPhone, go to the Apple Podcasts app. However, Mary was right. If you have an Android, the one that we absolutely recommend is Spotify. Agreed. Agreed. So really excited to delve into this episode. Don't forget, friends, you're going to want to make sure that you're on our email list as I do send 
email reminders to let you know when we go live so you could join in the live conversation on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Just head on over to maryandblake.com and a pop-up is going to come up. It's going to ask you, do you want our general Mary and Blake emails? Do you want Outlander emails? Do you want also Bridgerton or Harry Potter? It's going to ask you and you just click, click, click and you're going to get those emails. Make sure that you've checked off OutlanderCast so that that way you do get our live show reminders. So if you are free, you can join on in. All right. On oh, that- uh, one other thing too. Mm-hmm. Wanted to let everybody know that we have unpaused the Outlander Cast Clan book club yes. on Facebook. So I know that we had announced that we had paused it last uh, last episode. It has now since been unpaused. And you know, if you want to learn more about that, there's actually a big post that I wrote up in there as to the reason why and what happened. So that is that. Okay, Marvin. Now, are you ready to get into this episode? Oh wait, I hold sure on. Am. We gotta. I gotta get the. Uh, oh Blake, what are we doing? I gotta get the recap. I don't. Okay, no worries. I can wait. And Lumos is here. I. I. Stupid Blake. It's okay. You know. It's okay, Ben. I'm getting it right now. (laughs) I do want to give friends a heads up that we are going to be having back-to-back episodes. Our listener feedback is going to be tomorrow, Monday, July 24th, as I'm going to be traveling for the next week. And that being said, our live podcast episode that we usually do Sunday nights at 8.30 p.m. for episode 707 is going to be different. So keep your eyes posted on our emails and our social channels as we'll let you know when that's going to be happening. But I get back at midnight next Sunday night. So I don't want to podcast at midnight. That's not a good time to podcast for me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Let's go. Ready? Yeah. Let's do it. All right, Marvin, this is episode 706. It is entitled Where the Waters Meet, written by Sarah H. Hot, uh, and or Hout, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, Sarah, if you listen, and I, I apologize if I screwed that up. Uh, Sarah's been writing for a little bit now. She ha- uh, started writing really, uh, you know, mainstream stuff. She was writing, uh, she wrote an episode of The Last Ship, and then she wrote about 66 episodes or at least was a story executive story editor or a staff writer or story editor or given actual credit uh, for the show Bull. So if you guys are friends, uh, if, if you like the show uh, Bull, then you probably like her writing. And the director was Tracy Deer. She is the Mohawk filmmaker, Mary, that last directed the episode Singapore. And this, this is the episode recap. Where the Waters Meet is the Mohawk translation of Ticonderoga, the central site of this week's transitional story. However, the writers again created a wonderfully layered title filling the episode epic meetups of opposing forces and storylines. First, William meets legendary General Simon Fraser, who is another cousin from Boston. He also faces the enigmatic Richardson, who seems manipulative in the extreme. Redcoats posing as Indians terrorize the fleeing Fraser party, including the raving Mrs. Raven, who sneaks off. Claire finds her just in time to watch her suicide. The shot leads to Claire's capture and return to Ticonderoga. 
The meet-ups continue when Claire, motivated by a dying Walter Woodcock, chases down a redcoat to demand supplies. When he turns, it's a surprised William, who joyfully recognizes her as his father, savior from Fasia's Ridge. Then he realizes she is a rebel prisoner. Well, this is awkward, but he gets the curly wig all he can include, including a flask of brandy. Mission Mission Rescue Claire 2.0 is underway with Ian posing as a Mohawk British scout. William spots him, happy to have a chance to say thanks, but then realizes that Claire is his aunt and Ian is no British scout. It's a tense meetup as William is torn between the duty and honor and he owes them both a life so honor wins out. He lets them escape with a warning while Jamie blindly shoots flaming arrows that land perfectly in a convenient placed cart. Hashtag I roll. In camp, Jamie has an epic meetup with legendary Daniel Morgan, who recruits Jamie as a rifleman. Next up, Saratoga. In 1980, we see more monumental meetups as Mac Daddy Roger talks Principal, Men talks Principal Menzies about Jem. He winds up with a job offer to teach Gaelic. Finally, Bree tells Roger about energy wall in the tunnel, and together they hypothesize that it was a ley line that meets with other others at Craig Nadoon. At the school, a sexy kilted Roger. I can't believe I just freaking said sexy kilted Roger. <sighs> freaking Roger radiates joy back in his element, teaching and singing. He's a big hit, and Menzies wants him to return. His high crashes when the scheming charismatic rob cameron introduces himself and roger clearly has an edge and cameron disarms him with respectful compliments about brie roger relaxes slightly but then the panic seeing that rob has the time traveler's guide that brie accidentally packed oh crap rob offers him an out writing a sentence uh, writing a science fiction novel Roger grabs at the excuse. He just wants to leave, but Rob puts him on the spot for a dinner invite next week. Not great, Rob. One more massive meetup awaits. Roger dances a wee jig while putting away groceries and spies the knuckle of E peeking in the window. Hashtag angry Roger chases him down and comes face to face with his ancestor, Buck McKenzie, whose face meets Roger's right cross. All right, Marvin, that is the recap. What do you got for your kilt rating? My kilt rating is a 4.7. Yeah, it's a 4.7. A 4.7. Okay. And for me, I feel like um, I'm going to give this one a four. I I just, I was not in love with this episode uh, just because there's there's a lot of inconsistencies and there's just- I figured out the lighting inconsistency. Oh, okay. All right, figured well, it out. All right, well, well so if that's what brought it down to a four. No, I mean that's part of it, but okay. it, just know it was daybreak. It, mm, I know, yeah. I know, and they were in the woods, and maybe that could okay. <laughs> it's just too much inconsistencies in terms of storytelling, and 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 not only that, there's just too much. There's just way too much happening in this episode, uh, and things that really are happening just for the sake of happening but we'll get there in a little bit all right Marvin, you're good you're bad you're great you're gbg all right my good for this episode was jamie letting ian be the hero i'm just really impressed with jamie allowing um other people to kind of be the hero for claire as he takes a step back my bad um was what i felt too was some inconsistencies in time of day 
many times in this episode, particularly in the woods near Fort Ticonderoga. And just I felt like I didn't know what time of day where I was. It kept flipping, flapping back and forth. And I know we were in the woods, which might also change the lighting, but it just threw me off. And I don't usually talk lighting. So it takes a lot for me to talk lighting. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, and then my great was Roger singing and his whole Gaelic class. I just I loved it. I want to mm-hmm. be a part of it. I why was it even up for debate if you should wear the kilt or not? The answer is yes. And I cannot wait for more of these classes. Oh, so yes. that was my who, great. Who How about couldn't? you? Uh, all right. First, my good was the actually the scene that I that we played at the top of our podcast episode. It was that uh, of Claire describing William to Jamie. Uh, that I feel like was the best scene of the episode. It felt like the most honest scene of the episode. Uh, and what I could sense from Claire, and this could be as a result of Kat's acting, but certainly, well, you know, I'd probably say it is Kat's acting, but I, I got a sense of, you know, like love because it, it you know, you know, William is part of Jamie and, she, and, and how could she not love William, right? Like that's, yeah. that's Jamie. And, and there's a recognition of that. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's also, um, a distance and, you know, I'm not going to say frustration or whatever, but there, there's just like this small, tiny subtext of like arm's length um, that I caught where, mm-hmm. you know, it, it must be very difficult for Claire uh, to know that, you know, she had a, that Jamie had a child with somebody else like and of course the reasons are the reasons we all yes. know them and and it, there's nothing wrong necessarily other than the fact that he was es- essentially <laughs> sexually abused in order for that to happen but mm-hmm. regardless like you know she was gone he never knew that she was going to come it, it was a whole thing but I just got this subtle sense of arm's length and I really liked that because that felt honest to me. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that there's disdain. It doesn't mean that she doesn't like him, but it's just an unfamiliarity. And that must be difficult for Claire as it relates to anything related to Jamie, right? I really liked that. Uh, my bad. I had a few bads. Uh, and the first one is the ending with Buck. Now, it's... Which we're not told he's Buck. Exactly. And... So apologies. Apologies. No, no. She, it, like Angela the, said he's Buck, but yeah. you as Blake as a show watcher and other show watchers, I'm just apologizing because you don't know he's Buck. Well, see, because that's the for thing. multiple reasons, for multiple reasons. First, Roger doesn't say, hi, Buck. And also it's a new actor. So for show watchers, you don't know who he is yet. Yeah. Well, so. Yes. So I'm just saying sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I, I, it's Roger recognizes him and he says, you. Yes. And if you are a smart viewer mm-hmm. and you've paid attention, you recognize at least the visage, kind of, of Buck. But the problem, and here is the problem, if this was being played by Graham McTavish as it was back in season, whatever, was it four? I can't remember. Was it season? No, was it five? Four or five? Whatever. Stats are for nerds. But 
if it was Gray McTavish playing playing Buck, then it'd be obvious, right? It'd be like, oh yeah, that's Buck. But the problem is it's this different dude. Yes. And that to me is difficult because it feels like the show wants us to recognize this character. Yes. Because Roger recognizes because Roger the, recognizes yes. this character. He's the, the, the he's dressed a certain way. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be this big reveal, like this is the guy. Oh, by the way, it was Buck. And but because the guy's different, the ending doesn't hit at all. I mean, despite the fact that Roger gives him, you know, for show watchers, a steady right, it doesn't hit. It doesn't hit at all. It doesn't make any sense until you go online and you're like, who was that? And book readers say it's Buck. So apologies. I didn't get to read that. And I, I might have just edited that. So apologies if we just like let y'all know. But that's who it is. And it's gonna, and it would be confusing as a show watcher, as I said, just because it's a recasting. Yeah. So it's supposed to be the same guy. For those of you who don't remember who Buck was, it's the same guy who hung, um, Roger. hung Roger. So all, all will be explained. But I appreciate, Blake, that for you and for other people who haven't read forward, you were like, who, what? Who, what, where, why, when, how? <laughs> yeah, like, I I, and I don't know. I, I just, I think the way that it was played was really inconsistent. It, like, either, you know, have a moment where it's described, perhaps, like, maybe Roger running off after seeing a person and being like, and then, and then have, you know, that scene where he's running and he's all angry and maybe then cut to black, right? And then the next episode, maybe Roger catches him and he gives him the punch and he's like, oh my God, it's you. And then there's an explanation, okay. right? Simply because it's been recast. Yeah. Right? If it was, again, Graham McTavish. It wouldn't have been necessary. Wouldn't have been necessary. It's the editing of this show, knowing that there was a character change to do that to us. Right. I agree. I don't think it was a wise choice. Yeah. Or Roger, what he does is he said, and he, instead of saying it's you, he, he would say Buck. Exactly. Like yes, and then that's that. Yes. Right. Like you know, like yes. I, I don't know. So uh, the other thing is uh, Jamie's logic when he gets recruited by Daniel Morgan. Claire in her voiceover at you know near the top of the episode, it's like, oh, Jamie's time is almost over. We're gonna go to Scotland, and then Jamie goes and gets recruited by Daniel Morgan because reasons you know that's that um the story must go on the narrativium must happen so we're going to become one of daniel morgan's riflemen we i like no and then uh lastly roger uh getting stomped on by rob cameron absolutely not no freaking way would that guy be working his way into my into Kitchen. my dining room ain't gonna happen like especially i mean mary mary or we'll tell the story later but we've i've already kind of had a similar situation to the to this yes you have and then my my great of course my great is the shot of uh jamie with the fire arrow uh so good uh i like i was gonna switch back and he forth found the jumbo marshmallows yeah i know right i said i'm gonna do whatever kid wants to do um, burn this marshmallow i i was gonna flip-flop the good and the in the great that i had mm-hmm. uh but for some reason just the visual of sam hewen 
doing the arrow and the way he released the arrow, it wasn't like a lazy release. It was very like he spread it out and he let go and he just he kind of brought his hand back a little bit. So it looked a little bit more artsy. Mm. Uh, and I just thought that was really cool. Like, Instead of Bear Flair, Jamie Flair. Yeah, it was Jamie Flair. Mm-hmm. All right. So that is my good. That is my bad. And that is my great. Love it. So uh, what do you got, though? What do you got? Uh, anything else uh, that, you, well, what what do you want to start with, rather? Um, what else stands out to you in this episode, Mary? <sighs> well, do you want to just go into the lighting? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Why, like, just why don't you start with your inconsistencies of what you saw? So we start off and everyone's on the boats. And they go from the boats into the forest, and then they lose they lose a lady. <laughs> they lose Mrs. Raven. Um, it's still nighttime, and there's like light coming in through the trees. Claire gets captured, and Jamie and Ian bump into Denny, and he's like, oh, he lost Claire with Mrs. Raven. And then when Jamie and Ian show up to where Claire was captured, it's now, like, daytime-ish. Yeah. Um, I feel like in the woods, the it was where the lighting was very inconsistent, which, hey, you know, it's the woods. Woods filter light, so it's okay. But you didn't know, is it day? Is it night? Is it early morning? Is it later in the day? Yeah. So it kind of threw me off. And honestly, I can appreciate that because that is a very difficult thing to manage. Sure. Lighting in the woods when you're not in like necessarily a sound stage or an indoor space where you can easily change it. Um but then when Claire came back into the, it just, the woods just kept throwing me off of what time of day it was yeah. versus when they were in well-lit places like at the fort. Um, and you could kind of easily distinguish when it was yeah. and how far away things were. Because um, I felt like it just wasn't, I didn't feel like Jamie and Ian were super far away from Claire. Right. Um, when, when they came and they found Mrs. Raven's body. So it's just, but then of course, when she's dragged off and brought to fight Fort Ticonderoga, um, it obviously was meant to think that they went on foot. Did they take a boat? Like we didn't get to understand how much time it takes. So I think just understanding time was difficult for me. And normally it doesn't matter to me. Normally I just go with the flow and I'm like, okay, this this was a couple of days and this is fine. But it was throwing me off. So I wanted to know your opinion, Blake, since you are someone that notices lighting usually, um, how did this affect it for you? Because in other scenes, I was fine. It was just in the woods I was having difficulty, and I don't know why. So I would say, like, it, like it is what it is, right? The, the lighting was just inconsistent, right? Um, and it, my opinion is that it is the director's job at all times to make sure that the lighting is consistent to the story and the timeline on, in which the story takes place. And... If one were to argue, oh, well, it, the time passed, it, it, they traveled a long distance. Of course, there's going to be t- time light, t- light differences. Uh, of course, it's going to be an extra day or two. Okay, I'll buy all of that. Then you need to give me something that shows time passing. So when when they get back to the the camp at the very end before Jamie gets to you know get his little 
um, tent and shows off his turkey, all that kind of stuff. As they're walking to camp, Claire says, we walked for two days and then we were able to get back to camp. So that was through a voiceover. And so at least then I'm understanding the passage of time. Right. But But as it related to everything else. I could have used either a voiceover or something. (laughs) Implicit in the cut, like the way that it was edited outside Mm -hmm. of the the lighting the cut and the edit implied that Jamie discovering there was an issue with Claire and then going to the site where Claire was Mm -hmm. it was implied that it was a relatively quick endeavor yes however it wasn't because the lighting was completely different right and Again, this is this is what you achieve with editing, right? Yes. Like what you do is you and in large in large part what you would do is you would have quick cuts that show the passage of time. Mm-hmm. Or you would do fade like uh uh fade shots or you would do dissolves that show the passage of time. Yeah. You know, people walking, people crossing a, a river or you know a, a shot at night of a fire and then fading into the morning like it, this is how you show visually the passage of time, okay. right? And none of that happened. It was all just like, okay, Jamie is, where's Claire? And then the next shot is daylight. They're at the thing with Mrs. Raven who shot herself and her body's a little blued and whatever. But again, it's just implicit. Because normally no Outlander will do this. They'll do scenery shots so you can kind of see a sunset mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, it might've just been for a lack of time. Yeah, maybe. Because they normally will do transition or time establishing voiceover shots, even just scenery, pictures of birds flying so you know what time of day it is, whatever it might be. Um, And that's, I I think that's pretty prescriptive of what I said on my kilt rating. Mary, you said that maybe it was just a lack of time, Mm -hmm. perhaps. And why is there a lack of time? Because there's just too much in this episode. We're fitting it in, baby. There's just too much uh, to to get to by episode's end in order for the the pacing of the rest of the season to make sense. Yeah. Right? Um, but if, that being said, do you feel like you've aired the, the lighting issue? Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. Awesome. Like it didn't, I, I didn't even say it was my bad. It was just. I know. I said it was my bad. Yeah. So I just wanted to to delve into it because lighting is something that you're so passionate about. Yes. And I know that you notice things, whereas me, I kind of just go with the flow. But this was jarring for me and it took me out. Yeah. So I like to point that out every once in a while because it confused me as to why it stood out to me. So, you know, it was, it's more of a continuity thing as yeah. opposed to per, lighting per se. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just. Okay, what are we doing to show passage of time and like tr- and distance traveled? Yes. To, to make it make sense. Now, of course, I'm going to like totally circle and do a completely 180. All of this timing involves Claire looking in the woods, being taken away, being brought back. So I just want to hang with Claire for a little bit. Sure. Let's yeah, talk yeah. about Claire Let's in this it. episode. Uh, first and foremost, can we just give major props? Claire's hair and outfit in this episode looks so incredibly good. I love her long hair with the kind of bell sweeping back. Oh, the yeah. bell hairdo where it's like t- twisted and tucked into a pony, but then she's got like... Like another thing going on. Absolutely loving her hair. I'm loving her, you know, the working almost like surgeon outfit that she has going on, plus the the dark blue, really long coat that mm. she's just trudging around, getting business done this entire time. Loved this look for her because this is this working woman. This is a woman who is now 
a prisoner for half of this episode and yet she is still business. You know what I mean? She is still taking care of others and I just... I don't know. Claire's just such a strong individual. You think of everything that she's been through. And I thought that this outfit really did that for her. And when she was referred to later on um, as the, what was it? The curly wig, um, you know, barking orders or whatever like that. Like this outfit for her, I felt was very grand. And it's an oversized coat, but to me, it's almost like... um, it's almost like a military uniform for her. Oh, yeah, She sure. gets to have her own jacket, her own robe of sorts. And, yeah. and so I liked that for her. It, it makes her not look this traditional meek woman, who, you know, who's a prisoner, uh, but really someone who's taking charge. So I, I loved her whole look. You know, it was funny, Mary, that you and I had talked about how Claire this season has kind of taken a little bit of a back seat as mm-hmm. it as it. In in terms of the plot, well, not the plot necessarily, but like the way that she interacts with other people, Mm -hmm. like she seems a little bit more muted uh, than normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, in this episode, (laughs) that is way gone. Yes. Excuse me, sir. (laughs) Sir. We need food. (laughs) I told Blake, when Claire is brought back to Fort Ticonderoga, it reminded me of that scene in Jurassic Park when the little boy is up in the Jeep. Oh, yeah. And they're trying to get out of the Jeep and the truck. And, you know, the T-Rex is coming. And then they climb down the tree. And what do you know? The Jeep falls on top of them. And he goes, we're back in the truck. (laughs) And I felt like that was Claire. I'm back. At the fort. Here we go. Great. Perfect. This is wonderful. And we kept on laughing a bit about the stupid fence, how low it was, and Claire could just like <laughs> swing just her leg it. over it. She was like, can you give me water? No. All right. Okay, like, fine. It was shorter than a hurdle. I mean, truly, it was like a yeah. little buffer. Uh, yeah, it wasn't even that. It was, no. it was like a speed bump. Yeah. <laughs> she could have either just stepped right on over it or she just pushes it aside. Worst prison fence ever. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, and I love how angry she is when she's thirsty. We need a drink. Yeah. We No. Now. Where, where are our snacks? <laughs> <laughs> where are our drinks? I know how this is done. And when she's, of course, brought there, um, she gets to see Walter again. And I think that, you know, we fell in love with Walter last episode. The actor did a phenomenal job. He was written so beautifully. Yeah, we got to yeah. hear this whole story about him. And, you know, we leave wondering what happens to Walter. And I will say that this is different. There is a question, you know, what happened to Walter in the yeah, books? Yeah. And so here it's like a nice little 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 period. Walter is is dead. Oh, He's yeah. done. Um and of course what happens to him is tragic, but Claire's able to be there for for him and with him while she's taking care of other people. So I just thought it was very sweet to to be with this character again who quickly stole our hearts last episode. What did yeah. you think? Yeah, no, it was good to put a, a point on it. Uh it like, I don't know if we're going to end up seeing, like, because his wife was mentioned so much, is that just to build the character or is that because we're going to end up seeing his wife, right? Like, I who knows? I, I doubt that we see her. If we do, oh, that would be kind of hard for me to accept uh, just as, you know, like. Okay, that would be so outlander. Like, you know how I how we say like, oh, that's so Rhode Island so, to like go see somebody that like is from Rhode Island and you're like in Canada and you're like, oh my god, it's my neighbor. Like, it's the most Rhode Island thing ever. If we meet this guy's wife at some point, some that would be the most outlander thing. Maybe ever. they're from Rhode Island. I know, you never seriously. Know, Blake. You um, never know. But no, I, as I said last episode, 
the stuff with Walter was a masterclass in what you need to do in order to make you actually care mm -hmm. about somebody. Uh, it reminded me of the guy. You remember the guy, the, um, oh, when Claire was in, in the 60s and she had the surgery and she was, and the guy that was praying in the, in the, yes. And then that, that guy ended up croaking. Mm -hmm. But like you cared about him yes. pretty instantly. Yes. Same thing with Walter here. Um, and it shows really Claire's empathy as um, as a healer and the connection that she's able to have with these people, both physically and how she's able to heal them that way, but also emotionally. Yeah, sure. Um, did you... When she bumps into William... Well, that oh, was... I loved it. I loved it. For her to go on up and be like, excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Where are our snacks? <laughs> I've been asking for snacks. This is the worst road trip ever. I've I'm had to looking... go on this road trip twice. I'm looking for pretzel rods. <laughs> There's no water. <laughs> I heard there'd be free refills. I have not got my free refill yet. Yeah. Um, And of course, it's, it's William and he recognizes her right away. And she's going off and he's like, excuse me. I, I think I know you and puts two and two together. And then of course finds out that she's a rebel yeah. and it changes his tone a little bit. But of course he acknowledges like you saved my dad. You yes. saved my dad's life. And I'm sorry to meet you in these circumstances, but she then tells him you need to do right by your prisoners. Mm -hmm. And here are the simple things that I'm asking for. I'm glad. I'm glad you remember me. <laughs> I'm just trying to take care of other people. And, he, William, does such a beautiful job of respecting Claire, respecting yeah. what she's done for his dad. And then William, oh, just like Lord John, gives <laughs> the best. The best gifts. gifts. Gives the best gifts because he can't bring the food. He's got a whole satchel of herbs oh, and yes. medicines and beautifully packaged. Like it looks like it came from a florist. <laughs> it probably did. Okay. We've got a whole bunch of linens and then he can't give her food, but he gives her a little flask with some libations. Of course he does. He's Lord John's kid. He, he gives you the gifts you didn't even know you needed. Didn't even know you needed it. And it's right on time. Hits just the right spot. Mm -hmm. That kid... If if he doesn't give better gifts than Lord John, I'm going to be disappointed. Uh, he leaves it saying, your servant, madam. Yeah, uh, oh. yeah, like that was a very quick like Jedi moment for him. Like, <laughs> he, he was once a Padawan and mm -hmm. now he is he is absolutely a Jedi. Yep. Like, wow. Like, I loved it. I, yep. I loved it on so many levels. And then, of course, as it goes into when Claire sees Jamie, where'd you get that flask from? Ah, oh, your son. Holy, wait, what? Yeah. You're going to need to tell me more about it. And, of course, it leads to the conversation which you played yeah. earlier. So, Mary, did you did you buy the fact that, as you eloquently stated yourself, she just bumps into William? Mm -hmm. She just is just like, excuse me, to any random dude, and it just so happens to be William. Well, I'll tell you why I think she bumped into him. Okay. A lot of these jabronis look like jabronis, okay? She's asking the guy for water. I can't get you water. How can you not get me water? I don't know. Okay, jabroni. <laughs> yes. She's not looking for log the carrier. dirty log carrier guys who look like they have no clue. True. William, however, comes in, grand stature. He's got his brand new outfit. Not a single oh, flick of dirt no. on it because he just got a brand new outfit. So she's looking for the person who can get stuff done. 
Yes. She sees from the back this tall, strong person who has great stature, great presence, whose outfit is clean. Clean as a whistle. Okay, she says, this guy knows how to get things done. This guy knows what clean linens means. He ain't ain't working in the mines, this guy. No, he's out there giving orders. And he's had some snicky snacks to keep that body in shape. (laughs) So I 100% can see Claire going for a person who would look like that from the back. She was asking little jabronis for water. They don't know what's going on. Go after someone. Go pull a Karen and ask for the manager. Okay, that's what she did. She looked for the manager. (laughs) Can I speak to your manager, please? Mm -hmm. I'm looking for a Z-Bod. Do you have one? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I... Do I buy that she just bumped into him and like he just happened to be walking by at the exact right time where she's looking for a Z-Ba? I buy it more than when Ian bumped into to William in, in the massive in swamp. In the font, swamp, like, yeah. I will absolutely say that. Um, you know, things happen. It is what it is, but... You know, Ticonderoga is big, but it's not so big that no, you're not, not. going to be seeing, you know. We've been there. All it's, the, not, yeah, it's, it's not that big. Like, it's not like you're going to be seeing, not see parts of the fort at days at a time. Like, everybody's walking back yeah. and forth. It's a thing that is very easily traveled. Mm-hmm. So, if he's there and she's there, I could see it. I could see it happen. Totally agree. And of course, this is, happens after William bumps into or goes and visits Captain Richardson and has to say, I failed I failed your uh, yeah. mission, sir. I not only did not deliver the messages, I lost them completely in the swamp with my horse. And then Captain asks him, did you open them, read them, and decode the cipher? Yeah. And he's like, no, you dude, told you told me not to. to. <laughs> <laughs> is this a trick question? What is going on? You couldn't really get a good vibe on, on what the captain was going yeah. for then. Yeah. But then, of course, William thinks, he thinks he's going to drop the biggest knowledge bomb. Oh, yeah. And says, but I got you some juicy news. This guy's like, yeah. What, what are you? They're, they're actually rebels, sir. Those people you were going to be sending notes to, don't send it anymore. I found out they're rebel scum. What I would have loved to have seen was the guy go, <gasps> no way. Are you serious? Like, just give this total shocked face. That would have been great. I, I kind of like this guy that plays Captain Richardson. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I struggle with as it relates to Outlander is sometimes I feel like it's staged. Like it all feels very like uh, people acting, you know, as opposed to people inhabiting roles or, you know, uh, you know, the perfect movie or the perfect television show makes you forget that you're watching a television show. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I was watching the Bonnie Prince or when I was watching uh, what's his name there, uh, the Duke of Sandringham, it was like I, I know these actors playing the role like it's it's very clearly a, like a thing. Yet when I watch this guy, I don't know what it is, but, he but, it the, but the way that he interacted with William for some reason, I bought it. Yeah. I bought him. I hope we get more of him. Uh, I hope we get more of Captain Richardson and 
and I imagine that we're going to just simply because, you know, we're, we're having it get set up that mm. William's going to have to do something else for the guy, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll come for you. Yeah, you you just wait. It's, it's going to be a redeeming time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get something we'll for see. you. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And of course, we get into this whole awkward situation with, with William because... Ian and Jamie need to figure out a way to get Claire out. And they have this long conversation about how, you know, we're not just going to be prisoners of war because England doesn't even think we're at war. We're, we're traitors. We're going to be hung if I go in there and do it. And this yeah. is when, when Ian has the conversation with Jamie where he says, I can go do this. I can go on in and pretend I'm with the Mohawk who are currently aligned with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could sneak on in. They won't even notice me and I'll get Claire. Please let me do this. Sure, yeah. And Jamie struggles a little bit. And we talked about this earlier this season when Jamie struggled with letting Tom Christie be the one that actually get to go in yeah. and, and save Claire on the ship. Um, and you have that, that hesitancy because Jamie's used to being the king of men. He's used to being the one who can be there to, to carry the others that can no longer walk, to be the, the one who always protects Claire. And yet Ian says, yeah, I know you could, but you could be hung like that. Mm-hmm. And I can do this. I can do this safer and easier. Please let me do this. Let me save Auntie Claire. Yeah. And Jamie lets him. And Ian goes on in and Almost gets there. Almost, Almost gets, gets there. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved how the scene played out. I think the yeah. acting in this scene was brilliant. I think that the timing of how they were able to do it when Ian's just hanging on out with the yeah. Mohawk and, oh, hey, William. Oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, yeah. Uh, and you see the eye contact with he and Claire, you know, as he's trying to tell her like, oh, go away, hide. Yeah, Let's yeah. figure this out. And you see the sigh of relief when William says, I wanted to thank you. Thank you for oh, the yeah. money. Thank you for taking care of me. It was amazing. I owe you a life. You were great. Let's be besties. We'll be in touch. And he starts to turn away and Ian, you know, starts to walk towards Claire. And then William realizes, hold on a second. Whoa, wait a second. Yep. And I thought the way that that played out and how Claire came in and was like, yeah, I'm his aunt. Mm-hmm. I remember you just thanked me for saving your dad. <laughs> this this is the Boston coming out of, yeah. out of Claire. Yeah, I'm yeah. his aunt. I, I saved your dad, too. <laughs> what do you got for me now? And Ian just says, listen, man, nobody's going to notice. We just want Claire. We don't want all the prisoners. We don't want to yeah. cause a ruckus. Please, just give me this. Please, sir. I have some more. <laughs> and then Jamie starts chucking flaming marshmallows. Just hucking flaming marshmallows. <laughs> Somehow not hitting anybody, just randomly. And- no, he's just trying to look for the flammable thing. Yeah, well, but he can't see it. He's shooting blind. It's Jamie. It's King yeah. of Men. He's got this. <laughs> and it just so happens to hit the one cot full of hay. Hey. He's a sharpshooter now. He may oh, need spectacles. Oh, man. But that's for his nearsight issues. Oh, my goodness. He's got some great long-distance vision. Well, he does. you know what, Mary? Before we continue, let's actually take a moment here to uh, thank our partners in crime when it comes to this podcast. Of 
course, you friends, you've been hearing us talk about Webox now for for several weeks, and that's because we adore this company. This company um, sends you, it's a subscription, a monthly subscription box that sends you gifts from Scotland. So whether you yourself are Scottish or you're Scottish at heart, this is something that you may want to look into. Of course, every single Webox has five bunny gifts and treats, which um, often are exclusive and can't be bought outside of Scotland. And there's a magazine, there's a virtual tour with Handy the Islander, plus a soundtrack to listen to as you unbox your gifts. In August, the theme is going to be the Queen's Highland Home Wee Box. Uh, of course, we're remembering the Queen one year on and saluting her home of Balmora with special commemorative gifts. So if this is something you want... You're going to want to sign up for ASAP because, as I said, it is the August Wee Box. Um, so it's packed with uh, gifts that far, far outweigh the cost of the subscription yes. of the Wee Box itself. Um, you're going to get that magazine. You're going to get the tour. And you're going to get a beautiful mug um, as well as Balmoral Tea, which is just amazing. It's inspired by Scotland's historic tea pioneers and even enjoyed by the queen um and there's more gifts too it's just that these are these are two this is the preview that we have for you nerds that's going to be happening for this box so we would love to make sure that you get a savings blake and i you know we we get it we're we're working parents and and we know every single cent counts and to give you a savings we're able to partner with webox you're going to go to webox.co.uk and use the code cast 10 for 10% off at checkout. So many of our listeners have been able to make use of this coupon code and are enjoying their reboxes. Loads of us are looking forward to getting that August box. And um, just know that if you have someone in your life who loves Outlander or Scotland, that this makes an extraordinary gift. Yes. Dawn so. here on Facebook says this. She's actually getting her first Wee Box soon. Yay. And Yolanda just ordered her Wee Box and she cannot wait to get it. Amazing. Man, imagine that. I mean, all these people getting Wee Boxes just because we just love Scotland. We're talking Real about Outlander. Hello. This is why we're here. One of the main reasons we love Outlander, right? Just, Not it only- is what it is, man. All right, uh, so we talked about we were talking about the flying marshmallows. Yeah, well, yeah, and oh, it just so happens we have Jamie's picture yes. right here on screen. If you're I mean, watching he's the live. king of men, right? And he hasn't had his moments to shine this season. He's been letting other people do the hero stuff. So I love that as this episode, we are reminded what an incredible man this is when it yeah. comes to fighting abilities. You know, he's multi. multi uh, He's multifaceted yeah. when it comes to his abilities. That or he's just really strong with the force. The force flows we, through him. That is very sure. <laughs> We're sure of that one. Uh, but I love that he gets to use his bow and arrow. Yes. And then later on the episode, as they do get to camp, he gets... Um, <laughs> the voiceover says we're leaving for Scotland soon. Yeah. And then that goes right out the door because he joins Morgan's rifles um, with... Commander Morgan. Uh, yeah, uh, Daniel Morgan. Yeah, and this is the the credits. We get to see the scene of Jamie with his rifle. So it's, yes. this scene airs in this area. Um, so here's a couple of things that I want to mm-hmm. talk about. First, I want to talk about Daniel Morgan because he yeah. is a bad man. And I don't mean like he's he's evil. I mean like he's a bad man. Like you don't mess with Daniel Not Morgan. Not like our neighbor bad. No, 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 no. Like, okay. like you don't you don't screw with Daniel Morgan. And tough cookie. He what what he wants, it gets done. And uh, 
he is a bad man. All right. Anyway, so here's my thing. Part of the inconsistencies that I talked about, one of them, and this is a major one, right? It's just knowing your characters. It's just knowing what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, what they're going to say, and how they're going to say it. Sometimes I think the writers for Outlander lose track of what their characters are doing or saying simply because they need to hit plot points that are established in Diana's book in order for the rest of the show to make sense, right? A perfect case in point. Jamie, earlier in this season, says, I vowed to never... uh, you know, hold a gun against my son. Like I would, I would never, I'm never going to do that. That's why I'm leaving America. That's why I'm heading to Scotland. I'm never going to take up, I'm never going to find myself across the barrel of a gun from my son, whatever he said, stats of nerds. Yet he was forcibly conscripted by the Sons of Liberty guy in Wilmington. Okay. I can understand that. I, I thought that the process that happened was very forced and it just so happened that Jamie was walking by when this guy saw him and the whole thing, whatever. But that is something that Jamie cannot prevent, right? Like he cannot, you have to make sure that your characters are staying true to themselves and they're doing every single thing possible that aligns with not only what they want, but eventually what they need. So when, like, we just watched uh, Indiana Jones and uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? There's that scene where Indy has the the RPG and he's he's got the he's got the arc hashtag spoilers he's got the arc zeroed in, and Belloc says, "Sure, Indy, go ahead, blow it up, go ahead, do it," but Indy's saying, "Listen, let the girl go, let uh, let Marion go." And I'll, we'll call it quits. Otherwise, I'm going to blow the thing up. Mm-hmm. When Belloc tell, tells him, yeah, go ahead, Indy, go ahead, blow it up. And Indy doesn't. Because Indy, despite the fact that he says he cares about Marion, and I'm sure that he does, he cares more about the arc. And that is true to his character. That is true to what has been built that entire time. So, I say all this because when Jamie finally has a choice, a real choice to actually take himself out of this conflict because his conscription time is coming up, Claire herself says it, he has vowed to never find himself across the barrel from his son. And when it comes time, he says, yeah, let's go Daniel Morgan. I want to be a sniper. What are we doing? Mary, how do you, like, how how can, I, I feel like Jesse in, in Breaking Bad, they can't keep getting away with this. Well, I think what is really interesting, Blake, is that if you were Jamie and you were approached, hey, do you want to join our sniper club? You would have said, no, thanks. I'm actually on my way to Scotland. Right? Oh, absolutely. I would have. Okay. So imagine me 
walking on out with my turkey that I shot through the eye, because I know that's how you don't spoil the meat, right? <laughs> I haven't been able to be the hero that I know I can be this season. And then I meet this guy with wicked cool white outfit, okay? <laughs> and he's like, Mary, you are talented beyond belief. I've, I've got a job for you. Do, you. do you want to save America? Do you want us to be independent? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you do you hate the the English? Yeah, I do. They suck. Okay, so um, so here's a scoop. I know you said you're just about to leave, but we could really use you. And the cool thing is, is you'd be away from from all the action, because you'd be able to shoot. And there's nobody like you, and you could save all these people with your skills. Just can you put off Scotland for a little longer? We could use you, Mary. What would Mary do, Blake? Mary would say yes. No, I actually disagree. You don't think? No, no. Well, let me let me that say if why. I could help save the country in, a vac- in which my children would be okay. raised in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, okay. like one hundred percent. You'd be taking that. You you wouldn't even need a uniform. You'd be like, "Where's my gun? Never mind. I'll just make a gun." Yeah. However, if that was your kid across the aisle. And I'm not even thinking about William. But you vowed that I'm never going to find myself across the barrel for my son. Listen, if I can see no, a turkey's eyeball, not. I'll just not shoot for my son's eyeball. No, you wouldn't do okay. it. I, I love okay. you very much. I, I seriously, and I think in a vacuum, yes, you are 100% right. But when it comes to your kid, no, wouldn't happen. I don't think that's what's on his mind right now. Well, that's the problem. And that's the Why inconsistency. Why is it the problem? That's the inconsistency of the character, right? Like, that's when you should know. Just because William is on the English side doesn't mean that Jamie's going to give up fighting entirely forever. No. He's already been doing it. I so agree. Like, what's a little bit because more? Because he was conscripted into it beyond his choice, right? And that yeah. makes sense. That, like, Indy did everything he could up until a point when he had to make a cho- had to make a choice, right? Jamie is subject to, to circumstances that are bigger than him. He he's being forced into this despite his his inner gut. But when he finally gets that moment to make a choice to be like, "No, I have to take my my nephew because I made a vow to my sister. I don't want to put my wife in any more danger. I don't want to face my son in battle potentially. I don't want to do any of these things, but guess what? Let's sign up. I, I, it just, it doesn't work. Well, I'll tell you who it works for. Claire. And I think when Claire says, meh, I expected this, we as the, sh- the show watchers need to say, okay, this is keeping in line with Jamie's character. Claire, who knows him better than anybody else, is saying, yeah, I figured this was going to happen. Fair. And she doesn't freak out. She doesn't get mad. She doesn't say you're making the wrong choice. And really, that's what it comes down to. He cares most about his opinion and Claire's opinion. And if Claire says, this is keeping in line with who you are, I couldn't have pictured it a different way. I'm totally here for you, man then we as show watchers need to be okay with it. I think what is difficult, Blake, is that Jamie is very different than you. And you... I don't know. I just think the way that... Maybe you were excited to get back to Scotland. Well, yeah, definitely. But like, I think the way that the character is just portrayed in in previous episodes where he, his vows and his word... About William. Well, just about about anything, right? His vows are very serious and he takes them very seriously. How would you have felt if William was brought up in this conversation with him now taking the sharpshooter situation. So 
you know, when he's sitting down, he's like, okay, cool, Claire. I just said, I'm going to stay with the army for a little longer. Um, tell me more about my son, who's the reason that I wanted to get out of the army. Yeah. How would you have felt if he would have included a little bit there and said, that's really nice that you're telling me all this. And this kind of sucks that I, <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Like, is that what you wanted? Yeah, I just because that was his big reason for wanting to be done with this, is so he wouldn't see his yeah, son across and that's what the I'm saying. Like, so I'm saying if there was a little conversation where he got to say, "I'm nervous about this," or maybe because I have the position that I have, I I'll be safer from shooting him. Would that made you feel better? Yeah, I think so. Um, that would have made me feel better, and and this actually kind of ties into the whole Daniel Morgan thing that I wanted to talk about and why Daniel Morgan's a bad man, because. Uh, this guy was a legit fighter. As a matter of fact, uh, Benjamin Martin, the character that was in The Patriot, he was based on a number of different, like, real-life figures, uh, one of them being Francis Marion, the, the Swamp Fox. But one of them also was Daniel Morgan. Uh, they share some similar histories and whatever. And it's kind of hard to to glean this from the show. And it, it makes you wonder how much the show expects a viewer to know of history, right? Mm -hmm. Because, yes, Claire does say that Daniel Morgan is a sniper. And I, I, I guess, like, you could kind of squint your eyes and say oh, well jamie then because it's a sniper he would have more control over yes. where he is and he's further away and yes. maybe he doesn't shoot at william if he does see him and like a whole range of things mm -hmm. but like i think you kind of have to squint to see that and i completely disagree and i love that you're using the word squint okay because i disagree i think that as a sniper, as a sharpshooter, as someone who can shoot a turkey in an eye, you're going to be able to distinguish, is that my son? Yeah, but the other thing, so too, that you... I don't think you have to that, squint and make it happen. But, the, but you were trying to talk about Daniel Morgan. Yeah, but the other thing, too, is that Daniel Morgan became famous because he took a bunch of dudes from Virginia as soon as he got called, and he, he marched his way all the way up to Boston in, like... In like two weeks or something, something stupid, right? Like 500, 600 miles in like two weeks. And then he went there and he went to go kick ass. And he did. Uh, of course, you know, they uh, Boston was eventually lost or whatever. But then, and he was captured. And then he was held prisoner of war until they later exchanged him. And then as soon as they exchanged him, he went back to battle in 1777. Where did he go? Ticonderoga, and then he went to Saratoga with Benedict Arnold. And spoiler alert, they kicked ass in Saratoga too. And that, like Claire said, is the, the turning point of the war. However, Daniel Morgan was famous not because he was just a badass, but because his company of riflemen, yes, they were snipers, and they specifically shot officers. Like specifically, they went to kill officers on purpose, which was against the rules of war. And as a matter of fact, George Washington got so pissed off at the guy, he's like, stop doing this. You can't do we, Like, we can't operate like this. So, like, yes, this guy's already famous for killing officers. Your son is a lieutenant. You know that. 
So how great would that be to have an inside scoop uh, to maybe stop something, too? Hmm. Fair. But then again, you have to squint to see that. And do you? Yeah, you do, because do not... You? But yes, absolutely. So. so what I will tell you, because you were like, I don't know how much people know about this. I don't think the general person watching knows the history that you do, Blake. So I appreciate your history knowledge. Yeah. Um, and I do appreciate that Claire remembers a lot of things. So I do know that for her to be like, oh, I know that name. And I know a couple little things about this. That is a keeping in character with her oh, as you, well. And here's another fun fact, too. As we Remember how we were talking about uh, Philip Schuyler a couple of episodes ago? Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Morgan, along with Benedict Arnold, went to go invade Canada in for Quebec. And one of the guys that went with Daniel Morgan, his name was uh, Montgomery. Well, wouldn't you know, the guy that's one of the guys that served under General Montgomery was Aaron Burr. And Aaron Burr was one of the only people to survive from Montgomery's army, which then he comes back and has the whole thing with Hamilton uh, later on. Wonderful. I just thought I'd throw that out there just because, you know, it is what it is. After all of this time with Fort Ticonderoga and Jamie and Claire, we, we can't forget Ian. Ian gets to go and get his little puppy back because yes. his puppy had to be boarded for, for a couple of days. Yeah, with uh, with good old Rachel. Yes, She took care of Rachel. that. And Rillo did such a great job with her. Yes. And Ian's like, you can snuggle him anytime. <laughs> you could totally snuggle with him. Oh, yeah. Um, I just thought it was a very cute scene. And, of course, Rachel is is very kind and gentle. So I I loved it. Um, Roger and Brie. Out, yeah, let's hang on out in the 80s. Do I, I, I really find myself enjoying the 80s a lot. Like when Roger gets all excited... And, you know, he's doing the maps and then all of a sudden Bree's like, hey, you got to go to work. And Roger says, fucking bollocks. Like, that was great. That was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I even liked Roger. Like, I kind of understand Roger when he's all excited listening to the music and he's got his kilt on and he's dancing and he's doing the whole thing. Like, he's getting excited and into it. I do the same thing all the time when I get excited about certain things. Mm. I listen to music all the time when I'm cooking. Are you seeing a No, I'm not seeing nothing. Not seeing nothing. No. Oh, you know what Roger would have also done if he had a podcast about Outlander? Uh, He probably would delve into history stuff. I don't know if everybody else knows this, but I do. Let me tell you about this guy. Let me tell you about this guy in Canada, which has nothing to do with the show, but I'm just going to tell you because I love history so much. I love it so much. Okay, anyway. Uh, Gaelic cursing is a work of art. We've got Roger going in, talking to the principal. The yeah. principal who is just kind of like feeling the situation out at first. And then says, you're my man. Oh my gosh. Can we be best friends? Yeah. <laughs> I love Gaelic too. What's your favorite dinosaur? You used to be a teacher. <laughs> Velociraptor. <laughs> uh, and so this, of course, becomes his, his new little his new little gig. And part of me wanted to have a little discussion about, is this a paid gig? You know, is this something yeah. that would make him feel better? Um, does he not care about that? You know what I mean? Like, just because he was feeling a little sad. But on the flip side, towards the end of this episode, he acknowledges how happy he is, yeah. how he's loving cooking in the kitchen, how this yeah. is so great. So you don't even need that aspect. You know, it's it's it just um, at first it was like, hey, do you want this little job? Yeah. 
And I didn't know how they were going to spin it in the show because of the conversations that Roger has been having. But this loved it. Like 100%, you know, right away, Roger mm-hmm. is ha- is in happy place. This is great. Um, what, what Jemmy said, you haggard old goat, um, <laughs> daughter of a witch. And then, <laughs> what does Roger do? He's like, wow. Yeah, my father-in-law taught him that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was wasn't my father-in-law. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if Jamie knew that Roger was throwing him under the bus totally to the school the principal, bus. like, oh no, I'm just actually not even that good at that. Yeah, but that's <laughs> that's definitely my father-in-law would say oh, that. Oh man. Before he, of course, teaches the class, he's hanging out with Bree, and they are having geek out moments. Bree with her amazing bangs and her beautiful hair. Love the bangs. They're going and they're they're pulling out maps and doing all this stuff. Thoughts, show watcher. Love it. Uh, because, again, we're leaning into what makes Outlanda Outlanda, right? And we're able to track these things and we're able to discover and and have that little bit of science fiction that I think was really, really lost for a long time. Um, you know, I would say shortly after season three. I mean, season four was essentially gone. Uh, season five, I don't think it was present, but it, season five was different because it was a very personal story with Jamie and Claire. And season six, it was, it, I mean, there were hints, but not like this. This this is bringing it back full mm-hmm. force. And I really appreciate that. I look forward to watching them source it and be like, wow, maybe this is like this like conduit and hot, like seeing, seeing it all tracked mm-hmm. is great. They're working hypotheses. Yeah, like the the ley lines, the portals, like we're getting in all these different words. And of course, Roger's so cute with his Hitchhiker's Guide to Time Travel. Yes. So stinking cute. I will say the Hitchhiker's Guide to Time Travel being tossed in with with all the stuff and then it getting into the hands of Rob Cameron. Well, Brie packs the stuff. Yes, agreed. And I will say on your subsequent watches, you see... Yeah, you, bo- yeah. you see everything. You see Brie accidentally pick it up. You see the kids pass it out. And then as Roger is doing his singing and he's just in his moment, you know, da, 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 yeah. da, da, and they're like, da, 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 da. Rob Cameron is rifling through the book. Yes. And it's really cool. It is something that when you watch it your first time, you're not paying attention to him. You're you're paying attention to the cute little kids singing. You're paying attention to Roger singing. You're just yeah. so happy for him. But Rob Cameron is deep in this. Yeah. By, yeah. by the way, I just want to say this at risk of uh, at risk of uh, <sighs> ruining my uh, reputation. Roger's outfit, I was in the sweater with the tie and the kilt and the whole thing. I was in. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm glad you're here for this moment. All right, that's enough. I'm glad everyone who's live is here for this moment. I'm glad those of you listening are here for this moment because uh, I'm in too. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, and for him to say that Gaelic cursing is a work of art. Yes. Beautiful. The language is our history and our culture. Um, once again, Blake, all I could think of was you. I'm like, you must be geeking out about this. I was, so you're talking about how long people have been speaking about it. And then it came the bit where once again, you were commenting about it while watching the show. And what I think is so interesting, Blake, is usually you can separate yourself from the show and um, yourself. Yeah. And I think in this episode, you had difficulty, whether it was with Jamie, who signed up to to, be part of this new club, um, or Roger letting Rob Cameron come over for dinner. Because once again... So Rob Cameron, pushy, sneaky little devil, right? Oh my mm-hmm. God, I love, I love um, 
this kind of genre and, you know, wow, you're cooking. How is that? Roger says, I'm great at it. I love it. Okay, cool. I'd love to have a home cooked meal. I'm free next week and I'll bring the wine. And Roger's just boom, boom, boom. Roger doesn't even have a moment to say no. He's just laughing. He's chuckling uncomfortably. He doesn't know what to do. His mind's probably whirling around. Is this the right choice? Will this help Bria? I don't know. And before you know what the guy says, he's bringing wine. Rob Cameron was a work of art at inviting himself over. And Blake Larson, you would have shut that down. Oh, I would have shut that shut shit it down, right Shut it down. down right away. Would I have? Or would I have come home and said, so, Blake? Oh, that's... If someone, all right, so but let's, saying, let's like, look me, at the context. Because I'm saying like, you you keep projecting like, oh, why did Roger do that? Well, you wouldn't have done it, Blake. You're not a nice person to most people. So if Rob Cameron came up to you and you already didn't like Rob Cameron because he locked your wife inside a tunnel, you would have been like, get out of my face, get out of my class, you haggard witch daughter intestine. <laughs> That's what you would have done. You would yes. have literally looked at him and cursed in Gaelic at him. Get out of my face, Rob Cameron, like, and you? take your stinking little nephew. Yeah. Okay, take Bobby with you. Don't come back here. <laughs> That's what you would have done. Yes. Roger's nicer than you. Yes. A lot nicer than you. Yes. Okay. And um, but he's just not as much of an alpha as I am. No, no, and he actually sees a lot of good in people. Okay. <laughs> he likes to give people second chances, third chances, all sorts of chances. And we've seen that with Roger uh, before. Right. Yeah. So that's why I'm trying to say, like, I'm not everybody in this show, but I would give people second chances. And I'd also be caught off guard if someone was trying to maneuver me into coming on over for dinner. All right. So let's look at the context. If somebody had specifically put me in danger. Yeah. You'd still be like, oh, yeah, hey, why don't you come on over? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. You want to know why? Why? Well, if someone actually like put you in danger. Yeah. See, I feel like Bree's kind of over it. Like like she was putting no, me no, in danger. No, 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 no. Someone put me in danger. It doesn't matter if you're over it or not. Somebody put me in danger and they were like, hey, I'm coming over for dinner. I'll bring the wine. You'd be like, yeah. No. Yeah. Now you want to know what I do. What'd you do? I would act more like Jamie. What would Jamie do? You know what he'd say? What? Come on over. Oh, Sounds sure. great. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Maybe Love I'll, to have you over. Yeah. Maybe I'll lock you in a... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. So that, I would have said yes. That is fair. That I is would fair. have said yes. Okay. I would have said, oh, love to have you over. Mm-hmm. That... I I will co-sign <laughs> on that. You... you I, don't mess with the Taurus. Yes. However, for me, when that guy walked up to Roger... And Roger said, he's like, oh, hey, I'm Rob, blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, I know you. That would have been it. That would have been done. If it was you, it would have been done. And I, and I know, I know, because I had a situation like this with somebody. One of Mary's boyfriends, old ex-boyfriends, came up to me one day at a wedding. At his family's wedding. At his family. Like, for some reason, well, whatever. It is what I'm it is. nice to people, Blake. We attended. We live in Rhode Island. A wedding the state is the size of a postcard of a family <laughs> of a family member that Mary used to, uh, for a guy that Mary used to date. Whatever. Hmm. You know what? This is perfect. Okay, perfect because once again, super small state. Here they are in the Highlands. This is her job. He doesn't want to make awkward waves. Yeah. Okay, he doesn't want to be mean to Rob Cameron. This is her brand new coworker. He wants to do the right thing. This guy. Okay, you're probably going to see him again. Maybe you're going to see him at little festivals, weddings. Who knows what? Okay. Yeah. Just smooth things over. Act like you're in Rhode Island. So so Mary had pointed him out to me at the start of the wedding. And she's like, hey, so this is this is that guy. And, you know, just 
she actually said to me something like be normal be nice yeah be be nice or be normal i can't remember mm-hmm. and uh sh- sure enough i got a, i had a couple of drinks in me and you know i'm walking around and this guy decides hey you know what i'm going to go do i'm going to go introduce myself to Miss, M- mr mary Larson. so he walks up to me he says hey i'm so and so i look at him and i go yeah i know and that was it that was it, Blake. That was it. That was the end of the conversation. I walked away. Yeah, I know. And that was it. So because, friendly. guy, I don't. You're not my friend. I'm not your buddy. You're so friendly. We, we, we're not. Fr- we're not cool with each other. Yep. Okay, I know, Blake. So that's what you wanted Roger to do. You wanted Rob Cameron to come up and you say, "Hi, I'm Rob Cameron," and you wanted Roger to 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 feel his inner Blake and say, "Yeah, I know." Yeah, I just I just wanted him to be like, dude. You just Roger isn't put you. my danger in wife my my wife in danger. Like we're not we're not cool. But to them and how Bree is now kind of playing it off and how she didn't get them fired. Okay, if she well, that's felt her like she choice. Was, I know, but that's how she's also talking about with her husband. She probably would have said, "Please don't be a jerk to my coworkers." I ain't being a jerk. That's just going. Roger's that, that's just, just nicer being alpha. Than, Roger's just a nicer person than oh, you. Man, I don't know. It's hard. and I love you dearly. It's you're hard. just not like nice all the time. It's hard for me to accept. I know it is. It's because you're not nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love you very you're just much. Not a nice person, Blake. Not all the time. <laughs> not all the time. But I do love you. Yes. But uh, I think that that's why you struggle. Oh. Uh, and yeah, maybe no, you do be... see a lot of commonalities in the with Roger dancing around, putting away the groceries. All right, let's calm down with the commonalities. Doing thing. the history, and then you realize Roger's nicer than you, and that's okay. Oh, nope. It's totally okay. Nope, nope. absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely freaking not. That guy. Okay, so Roger is Guy's dancing. A clown. He's Rob da- Cameron. Roger is putting away his groceries. Never trust a man with two first names. No, don't do it. Wait, that needs to be your shirt. <laughs> it's true. And maybe should, I'll do that. It should just be like a Rob Cameron. Hello, my name is Rob Cameron. Never trust a man with two names. <laughs> just the guy's face. There you go. <laughs> um, so Roger's doing his little oh, dance, doing his little man. dance in his kitchen to the Celtic music, which yeah. is like it's, it's so you. It's so you. It's precious. And he sees little Knucklevy, Knucklevy head yeah. sticking out the window, and out of all the things in the kitchen. <laughs> Because, you know, he's got a drawer of, of meat cleavers and knives uh, and all sorts of things. He walks by a row of pots that Rapunzel would have easily told him make excellent weapons. You can hit Flynn Rider. You can hit yeah. uh, ruffians and thugs. I mean, you name it. Sure. Okay. Walks by all of these things. Grabs a sack of flour. A sack of flour. A sack of flour. I mean, I feel like, you know, flour can hurt somebody, but like. Come on, man. What are we doing? Oh, my God. So. <laughs> oh, sack of flour. So grabs a sack of flour. And I laughed because I was like, Roger, that's what you grab. <laughs> Thankfully, on his way out, he put the sack of flour down, realizing this isn't a great that, weapon. This is this Even is though it would have been better than nothing. Milk he, was a he poor choice. Because he could have just thrown it at the knuckle V, <laughs> marked him for good. But he probably needs it to make cookies later or oh, something. Oh, absolutely. Runs on out. Grabs them, turns around, you punch. Yeah. So as we already talked about in the earlier portion, but I just think it's hysterical as we talked about the lack of weapons. Yeah. And he almost ran out with flour, and I would have been proud of him for that. But <laughs> walk out with a pan, something, the, buddy. Listen, the thing I feel about Roger with this episode <laughs> is every time we take a step forward, we take two steps back. 
I mean, the whole Rob Cameron thing, and then going out there with a sack of flour. <laughs> Listen, I, I liked your outfit. I was happy that you were dancing. I'm happy that you're teaching and that you're doing the whole history thing. But come on. Come on. All right. Come on, Roger. So I think we're done. <laughs> I think so, too. I think that's the end. <sighs> All right. You ready for uh, an outlandish theory, my love? Always. All right, here we go. Is Roger Spice ginger cream cookies. <laughs> he better. Did, has he been listening to us like, in our in our love of the Wee Box gifties? He's, he's got to ha- save the flower for a reason. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, right. Outlandish theory. theory. All right. So now that we got we we got Buck right, and uh, m- my guess. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to go super soap opera-y or do you want to like... Honey, this is your outlandish theory. I know what happens. Right. You go for it. You do what you do, you want to All do. Right. So we saw Rob rifling through that book, right? We yes. already know that Rob ain't a good guy. We know it. Well, you know why Rob is over there? he's got two first names. <laughs> you never trust a man with two first names. <laughs> and he, he's inviting himself to dinner. He wants to get close to Bree. And he's going to make it seem like, oh, I like Bree. But here's the thing. Something tells me Roger wrote something about Jemmy in uh, in that book. Like, I don't know, like, calling him out specifically, but he's made, he's made mention of gold somehow. Like, somehow, some way, that information about the gold or whatever is in that book. And I don't think it's a coincidence... That good old Buck, not Graham McTavish, decides to show up. My sense is Rob Cameron. Is that going to be the guy's name? Not Graham McTavish, Yeah, not. Just not Graham. Sorry. The not Graham McTavish Buck. Yeah. Rob Cameron is going to be playing a much more sinister role in this season other than just busting wait, so balls. Who are you talking about? Now you've confused well, me. Well, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. And it's also not Graham McTavish Buck. He has shown up and they've got this history between he and Raja. I wouldn't put it past Outlander to make not Graham McTavish Buck and Raja like become buddies. And if Rob Cameron does something to Jemmy because of the gold or he, he like he holds Bree hostage or like he does something stupid and then not Graham McTavish Buck and Roger have to fight Rob Cameron. That's my guess. Very interesting. Because Roger can't do it by himself. Hey, can make a mean dinner though. And then like, and if, if, yeah, here's another thing that I, that I that I'm thinking of right now. Okay, let's say that Rob Cameron takes like Bree hostage, or he takes Jemmy up. But I I feel like maybe it'd be Bree because like how bad would that be for like an adult male to take this kid hostage, right? So maybe it's Bree, and like he brings her down to where he's now read about this blue wavy thing because we've seen Bree and Roger talk about it. He was like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 hold on. Let me write it down. Let me write it down. Yeah. What if Rob takes Bree or Jemmy or whatever through 
the through that blue wall wavy thing and they go back in time like what if rob goes back into i don't know but certainly one of roger's family members is going back in time it's it's not for funsies that this blue wall of wavy magic wall has now shown up buck is here jemmy knows about this gold rob cameron has the book roger screwed it all up Bree, it, it ain't for fun. Bree put the book in the bag. Roger didn't screw anything up. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> so I just, I feel like that's that's definitely where this is going. And by the way, if if there was, ev- if I could put my entire mortgage on the blackjack table right now with the bet that Jamie is going to fight William at some point, it would be now. Because the conversation that he has with Claire, he's like, yeah, when I see some young whippersnapper, guess, yeah, I'm going to kill him. And come on, guy. Like, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's exactly what's going to happen. Interesting, Blake. You got a lot of different things in there that I don't know if I followed oh, them all, but man. all very interesting. I, Collectively, I, as book readers, what do we say? We say interesting. All right. End of Outlandish Theory. Wrong one. Sorry, that's the wrong sound. It's this one. Mock me. Please hang up and try again. All right, Marvin, you ready to close this bad boy out? I sure am. You got anything else to say that you want to talk about or whatever? No. All right, cool. Here we go. We want to thank you so incredibly much for tuning in to this episode of Outlander Cast. As I said at the beginning of this episode, head on over to maryandblake.com to make sure that you're getting our emails. Make sure you're checking off the box for the Outlander Cast emails as we're going to let you know when we go live and when new podcast episodes come out. We are going to be recording our listener feedback episode tomorrow. So if you hear this in the future, it won't be tomorrow for you, but just know it was quickly after. But yes. if you are listening live or, you know, Monday itself, July 24th, um, just know that we will be doing our listener feedback episode then because I'm traveling. And then the subsequent week, we will be covering episode 707 actually on Monday of that week rather than Sunday of that week because yes. I am traveling. So just to make it easier for yourself, go to maryandblake.com and make sure that you're signed up for the Outlander emails. You can click Outlander and the Mary and Blake emails or any of the other podcasts that we cover like Bridgerton or Harry Potter, anything like that. But I do want to make sure that you stay in the know. So if you want to join us live, you can. Of course, go to jointhenerdclan.com to uh, have all the benefits that all the members there at the Nerd Clan have. As a matter of fact, we have reached our goal of 950. The Michael Mouse shirts are on the way. Yes. So uh, I'm very excited about that. And uh, and I'm going to have a new goal. I want to have a new goal now, Mary. A thousand. I want to get to a thousand members. And at a thousand... I will start the next book for Blake's Book Club okay. when we get there. Okay. All right. So when we get it, that we hit nine fifty. Awesome. We 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 had the goal. Thank you so much. Now, if we get to a thousand, whenever it is, because no, because normally I like to wait until way after the, you know the Outlander season, but when we hit a thousand, I'll do the next Blake's Book Club. Awesome. Whenever we hit it. Awesome. 
Uh, I want to thank our most generous patrons at jointhenerdclan.com. Of course, we thank all of you for as little as $2 a month. You can join and keeps the lights on in our studio, helps us pay for our web fees and all the different things that really make this podcast possible and allows it to be free for people around the world. So if you can donate as little as $2 a month, it is less than a cup of coffee. Know that it makes a huge difference, not just for Blake and myself, but also for the listeners who, um, who've been able to cherish and have some, some joy with Outlander cast. Yes. But I do want to take a moment to thank our most generous patrons, Pamela, Dina, Brittany, Vicki, Tracy, Lisa, Caitlin, Norma, Tara, Hannah, Peg, Debbie, Christina, Jennifer, Bethany, Suzanne, Susie Q, Bren, uh, Brenda, Joanne, Jennifer, Carrie, Stephanie, Tracy, Shauna, Siobhan, Katie, Amanda, Candy, Mary Ann, Sarah, Carolyn, Angie, Barbara, Karen, Laura, Christine, Martha, Ann, Bobby, Keelan, Marilyn, Dana, Meredith, Kirsty, and Kathleen. Thank you so incredibly much for your incredibly generous patronage for Blake and I. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, of course, as Mary said, just go to all the social media platforms of your choice, uh, even threads, by the way, uh, and look up Mary and Blake. We are there. We're ready to to chat and to talk. Go to the Mary and Blake Facebook group. Uh, and, uh, of course, if you are listening on one of your podcast apps, especially Apple Podcasts, please consider if you found value in this episode, including my small little teeny tiny history lesson with Daniel Morgan. Uh, please do consider giving a, a, a written review and a rating as both a do help people discover the podcast in the sense that the more ratings that we have and the more that people write about it, it gives others people, other people who are not listening more familiarity with what's happening here. And if, if there's a lot of good reviews, a lot of good ratings, kind of like on Amazon, you're going to buy the thing, right? So good ratings, good reviews. And if we get a re- review and a rating that thinks we suck, well, that's okay too, you know, but I prefer, of course, the, the five and a, and a good written comment. So thank you so much if you do find value in our little teeny tiny podcast. All right. On that note, my name is Mary. My name is Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. <laughs>